I feel like there's a lot going on right now and people are losing sight of something really important. What's that? That Paul Ryan is one of the worst people in modern political history, (laughs) but that he kind of has been either he's super smart and has just managed to do the damage he did and just fade away into political obscurity just like really effectively because nobody nobody thinks about him anymore at like when was the last time you thought of paul ryan it's been a while like like moscow mitch is the one who gets all the all the all the blame <laughs> for everything that's going on right now but uh yeah paul ryan did a, did a whole lot of damage on his own and he i checked his twitter account for activity and he just posts like some i don't know if you get to keep like congressional interns after you leave office but there's there's somebody who every two months will post uh some uh like very bland just like here's what's going on in the country thing so yeah i don't know yeah paul ryan please remember remember in november that paul ryan was a terrible person uh who didn't he have a quote where it was something like uh, i've been dreaming since doing keg stands in college about like dismantling medicare or something i promise i'm getting that quote wrong but that might have been a dearth tweet it's you know no. real, real life and dearth tweets have um Coach paul ryan social wait what was it then, then here we go okay so paul uh from vanity fair march 17th 2017 the quote is paul ryan has been dreaming of cutting medicaid since he was in college yeah it wasn't that far off yeah but then i think i think the keg stand thing might oh, have, yeah might have been a dearth comment yeah yeah oh speaking of that to bring the the online offline fully online you had a, like a miniature um freak out this morning where i think you were worried that you thought that like darth was like a finance guy yeah that was I, that was a weird moment like give, i give some context yeah so he he was all over the the orange sky darkness apocalypse that befell the bay area today with the the smoke in the upper atmosphere and um he had a tweet Jeez, well Biden. we had many tweets but one of the tweets was something to the effect of there was ash that he could see on his black suit and i thought for a minute like i've always had this vision that darth was like i don't know maybe like a software developer or something at some tech company isn't everybody <laughs> and when he brought up the black suit i thought wait 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 what's going on here but then you you smartly pointed out that he's had a recurring um, tweet, especially around election time, where he shows himself going door to door, getting people to uh, to vote. And in in that photo, I think he's wearing a black suit, and doesn't he have like a um, an eagle on his shoulder or something? Well, it, oh yeah, he either had an eagle on his shoulder or he was holding a puppy. Mm, that's right. Yeah, the pu- the puppy in the PJs. Yeah, so it could be either that or just his little his little Vader suit. Oh, that's oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, miss, way, I, I missed. I do on not that think one. he's being mean or he's being rude to people in the in the fight. Eye. <laughs> uh do doing uh, oyster bumps and such. So, so it feels like we kind of have to acknowledge that from today. So we're recording we're September September ninth. The just the the weird um day we had today in terms of you know there's a ton of smoke coming down from the pacific northwest evidently smoke at least under certain conditions as it travels further distances makes its way into the upper atmosphere so we were in this situation today where the air quality was actually like okay but 
it like there was so much smoke in the atmosphere that it just it like never got light today like the the lightest it got was what i would describe as like the beginning of a sunrise so we were just in like darkness all day it was so weird kind of like it was basically perpetual uh perpetual 7 55 all day p.m right well and i i got more of like a morning vibe but i guess like it kind of changed throughout the day where this morning so uh, to to be selfish here just or just like to be very individualistic about it there's more like i've been having a lot of trouble sleeping recently and i woke up this morning and i woke up earlier than i thought but like it was just kind of it felt like yeah, okay i actually now i agree with you it felt like looking through the window like maybe I had slept until five o'clock in the afternoon, which actually maybe is not what you were saying, but yeah, like it, it felt like an entirely different time of day and there was actually the sun just never came out and it was just, yeah, this morning, like up until like 11 o'clock, it was just very bright, bright, bright orange. Um, and then, yeah, it was just kind of, I guess maybe, yeah, it was, it was early morning, golden hour ish, except no sunlight for the rest of the day. Yeah. And it was weird for me because, so we're, we're on a bit of a, a new schedule these past couple of weeks. And so part of that routine is me um, taking the the new housemate and uh, Branson on a, a walk in the morning. And that's been happening like around seven or so each morning. And this morning it was like super dark. And I was thinking like, well, I know like the days are getting shorter, but I could have sworn that it's been lighter in the morning when I've been doing this, but I was, you know, tired, whatever. And it was, you know, it was still like dark, dark. So I could really couldn't even see the color of the sky. But then like by the time we got closer to home and I saw the orange sky, I thought, oh, okay, some, something else is up here. Yeah. Uh, related to that, I'll have you put two links in the show notes. So one, uh, so I, I've talked about it before where, um, <laughs> Well, so before we get to the this tweet, so don't, don't, good. so don't respond to the tweet yet. But um, so the San Francisco Chronicle, again, I've told, I've suggested people subscribe just because with all just the per- perpetual state of catastrophe California has been <laughs> in for the past few years, um, like a, a local newspaper subscription is very worth it. And, and the Chronicle has been doing amazing work on uh, with both local journalism, especially related to wildfires and um, the coronavirus, but also their photojournalists have been doing amazing stuff. So. Uh, Jessica Christian is one of them. Uh, and actually, let me send one other link. So she has probably today like the most popular photos of just kind of just the Mars version of San Francisco and actually got uh, like Gavin Newsom and Barack Obama both posted um, the photos that she took today, which is great. But then the the link that I sent you is somebody, um, Meredith Haggerty which uh, will quote, imagine showing this tweet to yourself a year ago and explaining, oh no, the masks aren't because the sky's orange. That's for a different thing. It's pretty good. <laughs> that's, so, because, it's really good. Because <laughs> the video Jessica posted is that it's along the Embarcadero uh, early in the morning when the uh, the sky was just, just, just unsettling, just pure bright orange. And there's just a bunch of people walking around in masks just wondering what's up. <laughs> It's a lot. <laughs> it, 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 you know, the, the laughter is holding back the tears. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go get a Chronicle subscription. I already have one. Or uh, the, the listeners, the, the Royal. Oh, one. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or go buy a second one. Go get the housemate <laughs> one. Get the, get, wait, no, get, go get the dog one. <laughs> so he has something <laughs> to go grab from the, 
from the other than oh, that's, boxes. Yeah. Maybe that's what I do is I upgrade my digital only subscription to include the paper version. Although yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd ever actually get that paper version. He'd just rip it up. Yeah, it still serves its purpose. <laughs> uh, go, go check if San Francisco Chronicle has a San Francisco Chronicle Max. I don't know. Otherwise, they're leaving money on the table. I think you're thinking of San Francisco Chronicle Plus. Plus, plus. Plus, plus. Mm-hmm. That leads us, wow. Leads us into Mulan. Mm. Look, look yeah. like we're professionals. Right. So when, so when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, there was um, some back and forth um, around sort of why Disney was calling this Premier Access. And I don't, I don't think either of us was, was really right in trying to explain that. So that, that's mostly why I wanted to bring this back up. Well, I think Disney did a poor job of explaining it. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> they, I'm going sh- to shirk blame real fast on that. <laughs> they, no, they, they totally did. So the $30 that, that you can now pay to watch Mulan, the way to think about it now is um, it's, the movie's going to be on just you know regular Disney Plus so, so for every Disney Plus subscriber starting December 4th, which is exactly three months after it's uh, being made available through this Premier Access program. So essentially, the $30 isn't a purchase. It isn't a rental. It's, it's basically the, just the, the option to watch the movie three months before it's made available t- as part of your standard Disney Plus subscription. So I, I, I think you had kind of made the analogy for Premier Access being like you were in like front of the front of the line or something sort of like how it works with with airlines and actually that was that was more right than i think i gave you credit for at the time just just quick clarification my point with that was that we were discussing what the tie-in with apple's in-app purchase was and they had mentioned something about premier access so i was wondering if that meant that you got it like a day or two earlier because you bought it oh right i mean both 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 things are wrong but but that's (laughs) i think that's what i was suggesting yeah so you know i I think, you know, my my take on this basically remains the same as I, I think I've mentioned on the show previously, which is if this was a movie that I, you know, really wanted to see, like if that Christopher Nolan movie Tenet had, had followed a similar route instead of being boneheaded and only being released in regular theaters, you know, I, I would have paid 30 bucks to be able to see that movie a few months earlier than being able to you know rent it on itunes or something um but because mulan's not not a movie like i'm i'm clamoring to see like i'll I'll be content just you know waiting for it to be part of my regular disney plus subscription yeah i have zero interest in watching this movie but um i mean it's neat i do like i get it but it does feel weird to subscribe it would be like if hbo Let's pretend it wasn't HBO Max yet. Like if they suddenly were like, no, nah, there's there's also now an extra premium component of this already premium service. Like I get it where the Mulan would definitely not be being delivered in this format or this in this way um, were it not for our current circumstance. But it is kind of weird to already be paying for something. And then it also has an extra premium component on top of it. And that's where the, there's that. And you can put a link to it. I put it in the in the Slack where there's a Scott Simpson tweet of somebody in a boardroom coming up with Disney plus plus because that's basically what it is. Well, it's, it's kind of weird that they've chosen this sort of 
generic naming because now if if they were to do something like this again, you know, let's say movie theaters remain kind of closed slash a place that a lot of people don't want to go for say another year, which seems to be increasingly likely. Um, you know, and if, if Disney, you know, does this with, I don't know, Black Widow, which is the next Marvel movie they have coming out or something like that. And they, they try to use this same premier access concept. It's going to be weird because then it's like, <laughs> you know, Hey, I already paid for premier access as part of that Mulan thing. Now I have to pay for it again for this movie. It's, it's, Wait. um, no, I mean, I mean, it makes it makes sense. I mean, as a as a catch all title for basically premiere access is a per movie charge for something that would not be available on our initial like OTT timetable. But it's but the so the phrasing though from Disney is Mulan now streaming with premiere access. So I read that as be, like premiere access being like this extra service you can pay for that some movies will fall under. But no, but but like I, I get that, but that would be like if Disney Plus had a separate tier, like instead of it being like ignore the fact that I think you're on like you you did the thing where you prepaid for a couple of years or something, right? But like if if there's a thing where Disney Plus was seven dollars a month, but there was also kind of like you know the Hulu with ads and Hulu Plus without ads, where there was also like a fifteen dollar a month version of Disney Plus that was called Disney Plus Plus or Disney Plus Premier Access, like if it was a recurring charge like that. Like I wouldn't ever see that as being like um a single instance purchase if customers were to expect that they continue to receive that benefit. Like I I, I get I take your point, but I, I yeah, if it's a one time purchase, I don't think most people would confuse that as being, well, now my account gets early access to everything all the time. That fair. But we can we can agree that it's it remains kind of confusing and clearly a product of something that was reactionary and maybe not super well thought out. Yeah, I mean, because when you think of that term, like like your example of Black Panther, what was it called? Oh, uh, Black Widow. Sure. Um, that thing. If that, let's say we get it to a point where like AMC tries to convince everybody that we're going to have the movie theater open, but uh, we're going to totally enforce mask usage, which they totally won't. Um, except when people are eating popcorn, except they're going to always be eating popcorn. Um, and they're making that, but most people don't want to go to the movies, but technically you could. I, I feel like that concept kind of makes sense for them to have introduced where they're going to say, well, premier access now means that like, to step back a minute, the old system was it's released in theaters. And if it's like a, what's the, I don't know what the term would be for movies, but I know in games, it's called like a triple A game. But like uh, if it's like if it's like, like a, a, prestige, a blockbuster, yeah. Like if it's if it's a really big budget or fancy movie that they expect to get a lot of runway out of, like it would be in movie theaters exclusively for generally like six months before it goes to DVD slash Blu-ray, and then usually it would be like nine months before uh, the rights get optioned out to like a, an HBO or a Showtime, and then usually like eighteen months before it's on a a Netflix or whatever. Although, I mean, that's not going to happen anymore now that Disney and Warner and AT&T all have their own uh, services. But I mean, but now like, I, I feel like they could use that premier access term if they were going to say that this black widow movie it is now it's theater exclusive for six weeks. And then Disney plus subscribers who want to pay $20 can watch it before the 
general Disney Plus release of six months. Like, I mean, I, like, I personally think all of that's BS, but like, I think that term as it's introduced as being like a premium add on could make sense. Like, all, all of the stuff that we we talked about like a month ago, where single people kind of get screwed on this because they're having to overpay because Disney's having to price for like what a family of five will pay. And there's no way to adjust that down to like an individual, like $30 for Mulan. If that's a movie you want to see, makes total sense. But if you're just like some random person who doesn't want to go out on a Friday night, that's kind of hard to swallow since like just the value per viewer is dramatically different, but right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, have you, have you, uh, have you rented or watched? No, I mean, like, um, like I was saying, you know, it's, it's, it's a movie that I, you know, I'd like to see, but we'll just wait for it to be on Disney plus. The one thing, and I, and I put this again, online, offline, where we don't need to go into the details of, of knowing where things fall off trucks, but the one really, and again, I did not download it again. I've almost zero interest in seeing this movie but the one thing that is very interesting about this approach and i know disney's thought of it but generally when you if you think about piracy when a movie is in theaters only generally movie theaters do not have an issue with employees leaking the actual like good like actual content the the privacy the piracy problem that you deal with in the initial theater release is generally going to be some person with like a, a video camera recording a um like a like a, a movie theater screen is that uh, and, still is that still i know you're more plugged into this stuff than i am is that i i i, I for the legal system no how <laughs> i actually to, to and to clarify this like actually like as a, as an adult now like maybe maybe in my younger days maybe i like i pay for cable i pay for like six streaming services piracy is very infrequent unless there's just something that's either too old to be on streaming or is only available on streaming in a really dumb way that makes it hard (laughs) or like a lot of times it's stuff that i legally have access to but it's just available in a really stupid uh delivery mechanism where sometimes something will fall off a truck (laughs) but sorry please continue um but the the whole handy cam thing inside of a movie theater that that's still happening yeah there's uh so andy bayo who um was who is the person who puts who puts on or slash used to put on the the xoxo conference and he has a really good blog uh waxy.org i don't know if that's still updated but he always did a good thing about um like uh oscar screeners and general like piracy stuff and he had always like some good spreadsheets on when movies first get leaked onto piracy sites yeah no uh, cam releases as they're called i wouldn't i don't know why i i don't know how i know that uh are definitely still a thing but the the reason i bring this up in in the discussion of mulan is that um uh going to a uh, a reputable source um you get pristine uh 1080p releases like within an hour of it being released on disney plus which is that's the one problem where i'm not sure like stuff like this is going to cause like a piracy renaissance just because uh, pirated content has gone down as legal just like just like uh the thing about like nap like just music piracy went down dramatically when legal access to almost any music you'd want from either spotify or apple music or um any of the other services like once that became 
easy enough. Traditional music piracy, like most regular people are not going to whatever BitTorrent site they normally would have. They just they just pay ten dollars a month for Spotify. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm I'm of the opinion that, you know, privacy really for for any reason or price is is not right. But it it seems particularly egregious if you're pirating something that you could just get for the what Disney Plus is what seven bucks a month, um, which I, I know Mulan's a, a little separate because of the Premier yes. Access well, thing. The, but like, well, no, if it's you're... thirty-seven dollars. I mean, well, because if we're if we're, we're going to say people pirate just you know like uh, the Dark Knight Rises or some old, old movie, like I mean it's something that's brand new and costs thirty-seven dollars, I think it actually has a higher incentive of piracy. No, right. But what I'm saying is like if somebody was pirating like. I don't know episodes of the Mandalorian or something. I don't know. That, oh yeah, that like seems no, that, that makes crazy. no. That, I mean, that's absolutely true because I will again just for my own like I mean because I pay for Netflix. Like I will occasionally just like look at like do people actually pirate like House of Cards? Like again, pre that show being problematic, but that like just that's the only Netflix show I can think of off the top of my head. Like, do people pirate this? And, and yes, there are pirated releases of a service that I feel like everybody has like i I mean i know like the whole hipster cable argument is like that that young people again millennials are still on their parents cell phone plans and they share passwords for streaming services i think those are the two um stereotypes and also very accurate things that people talk about um but yeah like i just assume literally everybody has like traditional legal access or quasi-legal access to netflix where it feels like that is would not be pirated but alas you know nature finds a way nature does find a way <sighs> um i have lost the doc so what did i do how'd you lose a google doc it's in the cloud well no i, I accidentally command w'd out of it wow it's like when you're doom scrolling and you kind of forget what you, oh, you just you're trying to exit out. <laughs> Wait, see new changes. Wait. Oh, you probably put something in the edit points. Did did I wait? Did I say something problematic yet? Not not yet. No, I mean we're only uh, you know we're only about twenty three minutes in here. But yeah, yeah. Okay, and then the last bit of follow up is that. Oh man, this was such a dumb day related to this. I don't know if this was today or yesterday, but this is so. so uh, so Apple has countersued. I don't even actually don't know if the link that you have in here is specifically the article that goes with. Um, it's it's the one you sent. Me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I yeah. But I I do lots of things. Um, <laughs> I, forget, I forget what I just I just use the share sheet. I forget what I post. Um, Apple countersued. App. You 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 can just correct me when I when I say something inaccurate. You can, you can be the real time counterclaims is the the legal term here. It sounds like. Uh, just like the people's court. Yeah. Um, they, they have counterclaimed slash sued the, they, they've, uh, to Epic basing that they are trying to get a quote free ride on the app store. And the fun thing that, uh, Steve Trout Smith posted in a tweet, uh, is that, um, in that, uh, countersuit or counterclaim they in, in explicitly stating that uh epic is trying to get a free ride they also note that epic has paid apple 257 million dollars in two years over stuff that apple has literally other than processing credit card payments has done nothing to earn <laughs> which is pretty good and 
also that i don't actually think this made it into the show notes but there was a thing and you, and you, you can find a link to this on tech meme um there was a thing where apple is threatening or has already promised to basically anybody who used sign in with apple as part of Fortnite is going to get that account deleted which a couple of things one apple has already terminated epic's developer account which shows that the sign in with apple service and that are distinct entities from the developer's account so you can't even say that that's the reason why that still works so that just shows something that i don't think apple i th- like even though i understand that they're probably very upset or they feel like they're right in this situation and of course they feel like they're right because it, it's a way to make money um and apple loves money but they i think this is a really dumb move because it's showing that if an apple just doesn't like a specific developer that they are willing to do like adverse harm to that developer just as as a, a bargaining chip or as retribution for any other action which seems like that would disincentivize or again like everything else they've done invite more regulatory scrutiny on them trying to siphon off users from creating accounts directly with developers and using signing with apple like that seems really bad so the one thing that i'll say here both with apple's counterclaim and with the whole um sign in with apple issue is i i I at least respect apple for just kind of just laying it out on the table and not not trying to hide behind some kind of corporate pr speak like they're not out there putting statements like Oh, you know, we'd really, we'd really like to work with Epic and we're trying to resolve this, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're just like, no, like, we think we are a thousand percent right here. We disagree with your stance. And not only that, but we actually think you're the one causing us harm in this. Like, the, I appreciate the, (laughs) the, the boldness of it. It's, it's not something that, that you see from, companies especially those as large as apple very often so so i think you're right and wrong right i like i, I think it's a, the, the, that's twofold here so one you are absolutely right that they are doubling down on just being abjectly this is going to be um editorializing evil or and uh like money grubbing but like they've also in like a lot of their because that's the one interesting thing about this case is both the the legal representation for both companies have written most of the court filings in really accessible language just because I feel like they know that they're immediately going to go out to not like the press but also be like read in large part by uh, not consumers but like tech news or people who are interested interested parties who don't have any like legal background so they've been most of the legal proceedings have also been marketing messages and apple has said that like in all those filings oh yeah we like we steadfastly believe blah 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 and we're we're entitled to all this like all this job creation that we're making and make america great again and everything but they've also said that we look forward to uh working with epic in the future so they 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 do try to toe the line of pretending like they're they're just following rules that they have no hands in creating it's just it's just how the world is who 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 even created the app store who knows 
but they have been doing yeah they've been doing both things where you're right they've been doing stuff where they've not even given an inch like the termination of the developer account was kind of interesting and they or like or was like was a specific type of chess move and it seems like they would have also canceled the developer account that um supported or the distribution of unreal engine had uh the court not said that that was a step too far so yeah so it's it's weird that they're doing both but also yeah it, it i'm not sure if shameless is the right word but they've just been very brazen about how zero fucks they give about this and that they for some reason feel like they have unlimited goodwill with customers like i'm i'm not on the ground where like i i don't i don't i don't know teenagers like i don't know like who people who play Fortnite. so i don't know what the gamer sentiment is like i I just think that doesn't ever like make tech meme so i don't know what young people think like i know like i i yeah i don't i don't know if they're anti-apple or if this is actually having the desired effect just because i i don't like the Venn diagram of gamer community and in my media consumption doesn't overlap, but I mean it might for you. I mean don't don't you like that that giant bombcast or the, the the sites that you read or Polygon or whatever. I I don't know if they overlap with Fortnite and and the the PUBG, so I don't know. They they sort of cover that stuff almost like from an outsider's perspective. You generally the the staff isn't directly playing those games but you know they acknowledge that <laughs> they're the most popular games in the world and they'll you know keep tabs on updates and certainly keep tabs on stories like what's going on with apple now um i don't know i guess maybe to like take it and turn it as you would say mm-hmm. um i mean this whole thing is as much as you disagree with a lot of what apple's doing here you're not going to stop using an iPhone. You're not going to become a full-time Android user, right? I like I already am a full-time Android user, but that's for well, different reasons, but Yeah. Um no, but like I guess so I guess that's the thing where or like I mean maybe put this, you know, I mean I'm not I'm not picking on you here, no, but no, I that, mean you've I mean you you've, make a very you've valid insta- point. You've you've instabot two, you know, nice Mac computers this year. So you're not you're not exactly Mr. Anti Apple. No, I'm not, I'm, no, I'm not boycotting. So that and, and that's the tricky part, or or not not tr- not tricky because like I I understand that that's it's it's quasi hypocritical, but I, like I understand I I absolutely take your point, which is that now you see my dilemma as a Tesla owner. But continue. Well, well, but I mean, but you don't have to worry about it because all that extra productivity during the full self driving sessions. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but no, like I understand. I like I absolutely take your point, and I think that's correct. Because the problem is, and this is where I really, really want—I was going to say—I I want a change in uh, government and administration, but that's that's for like eight thousand reasons. <laughs> Apple is not the impetus for hoping that Elizabeth Warren is Treasury Secretary and that we supercharge the CFPB. And what, that the what else? What else is going on? I, I mean, <laughs> do I want to give you an edit point here? Do, do I want to talk about uh, the disrespect to? Uh, veterans and service members do i want to yeah it's it's not great hmm. so yeah like i understand the the and i know you're not necessarily saying it but the the like you're like just well like if well so if you hate apple so much why why don't you vote with your wallet which i think is a very 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 fair thing to say and that's the part where apple is that well actually two things it's always two things on the show 
Apple is in kind of a position where it is why they need to be regulated so hard because they're in a market position where it's upsetting that Apple tries to get by with the, and, and I think internally, this is their ethos and also externally. And in, from a PR perspective, this is how they market themselves is they still pretend that they're the underdog, even though they are a, uh, almost $2 trillion company that wields so much power that has profit margins that are higher than almost anybody in the industry that has users that spend more on their devices and on the platform than almost anybody else and still acts like they're aggrieved and that the world is out to get them. That's the part that's absolute horseshit about this company. But the fact that I'm now kind of locked into the Mac just because Windows sucks so bad, like that's not really a good reason for like, I don't have any other choice, which is why the U.S. government to promote competition and to protect consumers, which is part of what a government's for, not just to, uh, what's the, what's the emoluments? What's the thing? Anyway, something, something related to that. It's not just to give tax cuts to the rich and to, to pull Paul Ryan's. It's to actually protect consumers and guard for the general welfare of the American electorate and all American citizens. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that, but that's kind of what government's supposed to do. So that's where they need to fix Apple because Apple happens to make the least bad product in a lot of segments, but they're also very, very shitty in a lot of other reasons. And I think that could be fixed. I don't know. Sorry. Main business? No, let's do it. <laughs> um, uh, what were we talking about? Pa- Paul Ryan, right? Fucking Paul Ryan. <laughs> I'm so... Because he had, he's just a... He's such a smug sack of shit. <laughs> At least Mitch McConnell looks the way you'd expect somebody who's as terrible as he is. Paul Ryan kind of looks like an unassuming, like he just might be just kind of like a cool dad on the street. And he's not. He's a terrible person. Yeah, when you were uh, talking about looking at his Twitter account, I, I was going to ask you if he was still like posting gym photos and stuff, or if he had maybe moved on from that. I for, What was the context of him pumping iron? It was. I think it was a magazine shoot or something. But what, but what was the... Paul Ryan gym photos. I don't wait. I don't want this in my yeah. history. God damn it. You're going to want to open. Uh, and he's wearing in, a fucking incog- red hat. <laughs> uh, oh, man. You can plate that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't we'll, have to take we'll, it out, but you can. We'll, we'll, we'll cut out most of this. Uh, time.com. Uh, 20 October 2012. All pumped up for his close up. Oh, yeah. Because he, he wasn't he wasn't aligned to. Oh, wait, to be, wait, wait, wait. What? All pumped up for a so, close-up? So again, if you actually do the, the gym search, which is now I have to go to uh, myhistory.google.com and try to delete this shit. <laughs> um, you go to time.com, uh, this photo shoot where he is wearing like maybe a beta test, an alpha test of the MAGA hat. Uh, he, or sorry, MAGA hat. I forget which one it is. Uh, he is pumping iron in this weird blue void wearing a, wearing a Make America Gate Again hat. Uh, and this is from October 2012, and the Time uh, profile piece uh, is called "All Pumped Up for His Close Up." If 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 you send me this link, not only will I not put it in the notes, I will, <laughs> I'm just gonna hang up. <laughs> oh shit! Well, that was the wrong channel. Well, anyway, there we go. Um, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> uh, and because Slack auto expands the stuff, now it's in your Comcast search history. No, it didn't. No, it didn't auto expand that one. Come on, Slack! What are you doing? Jeez, we're, we're, we're switching to Microsoft Teams. <laughs> it, that is a weird quirk about Slack, how just sometimes like one out of every 10 links you send, it's like, nah, I'm not going to expand that one. 
but the thing is i wish they had some like very advanced ai that was be like you probably shouldn't want to see this but no it always, <laughs> it, it always expands the tweets with like six photos that takes up most of the channel but the one right. thing where it's just a very funny tweet i want to see it does not uh. <laughs> okay what we're talking about oh yeah so the the uh, uh p90x ryan or uh yeah so this was right i forgot he was the running mate of ron uh not ron paul <laughs> who's the other one Mitt Romney, uh, ironing a suit while he's wearing a guy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's why he was pumping iron in Time magazine. Ugh. And 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 he's got these weird Bluetooth headphones that have a wire in between them, which... which we, we literally have to talk about anything else. An outtake from the Paul Ryan photo shoot that was inspired by his no. Facebook photo, showing him working out with P90X creator Tony Horton. Okay. Command W. Again, new business. Okay, so yeah, I, I I didn't have a chance to preview the show doc, so I actually I, I'm I'm concerned about the order of this. So I'm I'm going to wow. No, no, I just uh I didn't. I was just going straight to item one, and and IKEA seems like a weird transition. Especially <laughs> let's from Paul Ryan. Uh, and and is ranting about Apple for a long time. So like if if we talk about a very problematic company and they go to an unproblematic company, then actually let's do it. Okay, so I think that was enough of a transition. Uh, so IKEA. So there's this weird—I forget what it's called. It's, it's called like the Six Six Mall. Yeah. So there's this uh, downtown, uh, maybe a block or two. I think it's on Fifth and Market, or, or, or Six by Six is probably Sixth Street. But yeah, I, th- I think so. So it, it's it's uh, two blocks away from the very nice Trader Joe's downtown. Um, there's been an empty mall for a very long time called the Six by Six Market, and apparently the parent company of IKEA has uh, purchased it or purchased some, or signed a lease or something has happened where it is almost guaranteed that uh, Mid Market slash the whatever the Union Square area is getting a um, a like a seventy percent IKEA, which is very cool. I mean, well, like I, I just, I just want more stuff down there. I, I want Barkett Street to get now that it's car free. I want it to get less sketchy. And I know a lot of urban planning dreams are up in the air right now, related to kind of everything that's going on. But yeah, I mean, it, that that would be pretty cool. I mean, and then when you think about all the stuff that's going to happen related to like when you, like just because you, I don't know if we're gonna talk about this, this today. This might be a future show once your project is complete. But you have been making. Uh, a lot of purchases at at the IKEA mm-hmm. in beautiful Emeryville, California. Yes. Um, it like it's it's kind of interesting that there would be an IKEA in downtown San Francisco because one, it wouldn't really work the way you would like if you think of the footprint of that IKEA. Like I, I used to live in uh, in in that city. Like the IKEA is just massive. Like the the parking structure is like the size of like one city block in San Francisco. So if you think about somebody like just rolling up in their zip car uh, on Market Street to get a bunch of like lack bookshelves and uh, like a hem knees bed frame. Like that seems like that's not really going to work that way. So I get like, would this just be like a delivery only Ikea? Like I, I don't know if there have been Ikeas in other urban settings to know how this would work. Well, so um also two two points so some real-time follow-up so that it actually did get confirmed today that they are putting an ikea there and london breed put out a statement and i guess it's opening fall 
2021 is is tentatively the plan <laughs> well also the ikea ball pit if, if that were any sooner like i feel like that's i think the ikea uh like children's area would be what's called a super spreader event <laughs> i don't know it's just um so then the other point here is that um yeah we'll, we'll get more into this on a future show but um recently made um, a relatively large purchase from ikea bought some some cabinetry for the the family room renovation that I've um, alluded to and am uh, currently uh, pitching to the uh, Magnolia Network. Oh, but you, you tried optioning it to Apple TV Plus and they said <laughs> no, just more more Ted Lasso. <laughs> right. Um, and they so so IKEA is great. I, I'm I'm not I'm not here to um, throw shade on IKEA, but I would say that one thing that maybe hasn't been their strong suit is sort of keeping up with the way that retailing has worked. So historically, you know, their website is kind of shaky. Like even when you look at like whether a particular store has something in stock, it's like, eh, you know, maybe, maybe we got it. Maybe we don't. Well, no, because the best part is, I mean, because nobody's ever gone to IkeaUSA.com. The best part is it's got this little like, um, like battery meter on every product page exactly that says, yeah i forget what the term is but it either says like likely in stock or like it, it's it's very un it is not the thing where amazon will tell you only four left in stock or like and will give you like a precise delivery date right. it is very um obsequious is that the term like they're they're, they're, they're very cagey about whether or not a product will actually be there and right. i kind of understand why but it's you know, you you are definitely right that their um definitely their online strategy is very and people will remember this from because uh, i assume everybody that listens to this also is a religious upgrade listener uh frozone quest where jason snell was going around the country and ultimately i think to norway to try to get some seat cushions which would be what you would think a very 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 simple order so but sorry please please continue well, and even things like, you know, if you want something delivered to your home as opposed to picking it up in store, it, some items you can do that. Other items you can't. It, it's totally arbitrary, like what you can have delivered versus what you, you know, physically have to go into a store and pick up. But to Ikea's credit, and I, I don't know if this is directly a coronavirus thing or if this was something that happened to come out around the same time. But they now do have the their equivalent of curbside pickup. So they call it click and collect. And you can go on to the IKEA website. You can, you know, pick what you want. And I, I think only certain items are eligible, maybe. Um, I mean, the, the cabinetry we bought was eligible for this. And so you, you know, you put everything in your cart online. You go through the checkout process online. And you, you you pay for the the products online, and then they give you a, a pickup window, so like a, a specific time you're supposed to show up and come, you know, pick up your your stuff. And so the lady friend and I did that a couple uh, Fridays ago, and it's it was a little unintuitive when we got there in terms of exactly what our options were, but once we figured out the options, it, it was it was great. Um, you basically had two ways you could get the stuff. You could either have somebody literally bring it out to your car, um, or you could just go to the little customer service area 
and they had a a separate desk, you know, separate from like the returns area and everything to check in and have them, you know, bring everything out to you. And then you would go take it out to your car. Um, I mean, to have somebody bring it out to your car was going to take, I think like an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, you know, just walked in, um, gave them our order number. And the, the best part was, again, I'm, I'm not, not hating on Ikea, love Ikea, but you know, especially when you're buying furniture from them that's coming in, you know, let's say five to 12 boxes, like it's a process, right? Like you got to go to aisle four, bay 18, and then you got to go to aisle eight, bay 27. A lot of the boxes are heavy. They're kind of oddly shaped. So you got to like pull them out, stack them on the cart. It's like, it's like a whole thing. And the nice thing with this click and collect process is that they had already very nicely organized everything on two carts for us. So we avoided, you know, having to go into the warehouse, find everything, load everything ourselves. And instead, you know, they just pulled the two carts out and gave them over to us and we, you know, threw them in the car. They actually had dedicated parking spaces in the loading zone if you were doing a, a click and collect pickup order. I mean, that's the other thing that's, I guess, kind of specific to the Emeryville location. But I, I have seen something you know similar in other IKEA spots where sometimes you're parking like half a mile from the actual store exit, mm-hmm. whereas the loading zone in Emeryville is like right next to the exit, so we didn't have to go very far. Um. So yeah, it was a it was a pretty good experience and a um, kind of a, a welcome uh, change for IKEA to to keep up with the with the times in terms of you know how retailers are are doing business now. Yeah. So so two quick follow up points. So first, that returns area that you talk about that you were able to skip that is what is known affectionately as the uh, the Swedish DMV. No, it, it literally is. You oh, no, 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 because you, you could take a number. And because we will, like two years ago, I had a very long story about shelves that they sold because I was trying right. to find shelves that right. fit into an existing, because I have kind of like kind of like Arrested Development. I have, I have built-ins in my apartment and some of them are from Ikea. Like they're, they're, they're nicer ones, but uh, they have shelves that were not the actual size that was printed on the product and it is literally dmv where you take a number and they have different letters in front of them depending on the type of transaction you're doing and it is the the eighth circle of hell and it's 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 the worst part of that entire company and i I don't know how they haven't fixed it well and i mean it's bad in regular times during covid oh can you can you say six feet apart in that 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 so 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 here here's how they're doing it so we went so our pickup time was uh, 7 to 8 p.m. on a Friday night because that's when you're in your young 30s this is this is what you do on a Friday night club Ikea <laughs> and such <laughs> um, the store was um, or I really I guess the parking lot was a little more crowded than I expected but you know the the lady friend had actually gone to Ikea a few weeks prior just like during during the week um, to kind of just go and, and see the, the cabinets on display to make sure that she liked them. And this was, I think, like a, a Monday morning or something. And there was actually like a, a pretty long line to get in. Um, 
So when we were there on, on this Friday night, there was no line to get into the, the store itself. But, oh my goodness, the line to the returns area. So they, the, you know, it, the, the area is like, it's basically like a room, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, not exactly the type of place that, you know, a lot of people can, can be in at any given time, you know, now. And so what they were doing was basically only letting, I don't know, four people in there at a time or something. And everybody else had to stand outside. And it was, I mean, the line was just, it was crazy. Yeah. So, <clears throat> was it? Oh, yeah. So, so the other, the other part of this. So the area where you do the click and collect is basically that little desk where normally you would go to retrieve large furniture that they have to retrieve from the back. So it's that little desk area Ex to the left yes. of that room. Exactly right. Yep. Um, and then did you guys have, did you guys rent a car or, or like a van or did you, did it all fit in the model three or did you have it delivered? <laughs> uh, I know we, it, I remember you had a, you had a run in with your LG air conditioner, which, uh, almost barely fit in the front or I forget what the story was. Yeah. It did barely fit in the back seat. Uh, the, no, it did this, this cabinetry, which, which came in 12 boxes did, would certainly not fit in the model three. Um, would also not have fit in the lady friend's SUV. And so we we borrowed the lady friend's dad's uh, work van, which is a, a Ford Transit. Oh, is that some of those old, like the tall, the tall, like kind of the Amazon Prime cars? It Well, it's, a, it's weird because there's there's about 18 different trims of the Transit. He, he's got the 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 one that's kind of the the smaller one so it's it's not nearly as tall and it's you know it's a little bit longer maybe gotcha um but yeah so they they we borrowed that and and fit everything in there neat well uh once you fully incorporate some hue light strips we will uh cover the finished project on the show yeah i um i tentatively brought that up with the lady friend this past weekend and she she was actually on board so I think I think we'll do that. Yeah, we the the hue the hue light strips that we have in the the kitchen we we light quite a bit. So, um, and you know they they updated those recently. Where I don't I don't remember if I talked about this on the show, but the way they used to work was uh, <laughs> really wasteful. So you know you you cut them to size, uh -huh. but when you cut them the the part that you cut or the part i guess like past where you cut used to be unusable like you literally just had to throw it away um but now i guess they they've updated it so that you can you can use the the part that you cut off you buy i guess a a second uh wall plug for it gotcha um, so and you know it, they only sell it in like 80 inch i think seconds. 80 inch runs right mm -hmm. so like for our kitchen we you know we, we've got the light strips in, uh, under two sets of cabinets that are you know 30 inches wide or whatever so i had to buy two even though one would have been you know plenty wait what you had to waste yeah 70 percent of them mm -hmm. yeah oh that's how they get you that's that's an apple move wait that's a 70 30 <laughs> split what hey full, oh full circle what? <clears throat> Sorry, got a lot of smoke in me. Um, I'm not even joking. Uh, wow, that's that's 
That's terrible. Yeah. So we don't have a question about how how light strips work because I, I've been because <laughs> I've been I've been considering this. Okay. Where do one are are they very bright? Like do, do you still you know, like how bright are they? Like what are they adding? Are they more of an ambiance feature or are they actually providing any substantive amount of light? Yeah, I think I think when they're at a hundred percent, they're they're quite bright. I mean, I've I've seen things on the internet that that indicate that a, a primary complaint with many of the Hue products is that they're not bright enough. Um, that that has never crossed my mind as someone who owns forty or whatever Hue lights now. Like they they all seem plenty bright to me, in, including those light strips. But I I guess your mileage may vary on that. Got it. And then how how do you power them? They just they they plug into the wall. There's a there's a thin little cable that comes out the end, and at, at the end there's a power brick that. So basically, so basically, for every single strip, you would have to have it near an outlet. Like it is correct. It, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like the, the cable, the cable that comes out of it it's that then thin. plugs into the wall is thin and it's pretty long. So, hmm. so do you? How do you hide it? Do you just have? Did you have like some like color match tape or like some like uh, for, some for the thing? Well, so for the the kitchen cabinets, we we the, the the cabinets were they weren't fully custom; they were like partially custom. Um, and and one of the options we had was you could have them set up so that you could install under cabinet lighting such that you wouldn't really see the lights themselves; they would be kind of tucked up underneath the cabinet, um, and then. When our contractor was putting the kitchen together, the other thing we had him do was put um, electrical outlets inside uh, of inside of the cabinets where the the lights plugged into. So the the wire actually runs. I don't know if it runs just inside the cabinet or if it actually runs like inside the wall, but it's it's totally out of sight. Gotcha. Okay. Neat. But I mean, you could. I mean, if you were just putting it. Even like in a like what we're going to potentially do with the IKEA cabinets, I mean, you would just you know plug it into the wall outlet, you know, near near your you know the bottom of the wall, and then you would just sort of hide the the cable, you know, behind the cabinet basically, and then and then run the light strip, you know, either on the shelf of the cabinet or on the top of the cabinet or or wherever. Yeah. Okay. Wow, we got way more mileage out of that than I was expecting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, real quick, actually. Well, I mean, uh, maybe not real quick. I don't know how much you'll have to share on this, but I do want you to throw a link in the show notes to the. Um, so, Consumer Reports—they weren't actually reviewing a car. They just—I don't, I don't know what the impetus was, but they were—they um, did like an in-depth review of the full self-driving add-on for. Like, because full self-driving is is the same across all Tesla models, right? Like, if you have a Model X, the full self-driving is no better than a Model 3, correct? Correct. Yeah. So I don't know why they did it, um, but I mean, it it was really, really well done where they did an an eight-minute video review and a longer article explaining kind of what the self-driving add-on is, how that differs from just the standard entry-level autopilot that comes standard on every... Uh, Tesla model that you can buy, um, and kind of how well each feature performs. So they did Smart Summon, Navigate on Autopilot, 
and the newest uh, traffic light and stop sign control. So I wouldn't recommend, I mean, like read the article, but the video is is so much better because one, they they test everything in a very, very unsensationalistic or like in a very objective way um, that I was very surprised by. Because Consumer Reports, they did the whole antenna gate thing with the iPhone and anytime they ever don't recommend a product you know, i don't like i don't know if it's the media that blows it out of proportion but it's always like a really dumb like mini controversy but this video is very good because they used like drone footage and they did a whole lot of stuff to show objectively where the feature is good and where it does not live up to the promises and I, yeah so the, the stop sign control as we've talked about is it just as everybody has reported it's very bad and borders on being worse than not having it at all just because it kind of invites you to be disengaged from the driving experience but has so many failings that it when it fails probably is going to cause an accident for people and then also the smart summon feature where they used they used a drone to show just how how terrible it is like where in an almost empty parking lot it almost hit a car just drives over multiple painted spaces, does not adhere to anything, blows through stop signs. Like it was very bad. Like I don't know. Did you have a chance to watch the video? Yeah, um, I've, I've actually got it streaming while we've been talking here too. Um, you know, it, so so my car. We, we've we've talked about this before. My car has something that they they don't offer anymore called enhanced autopilot, which. I mean, I guess the way to think of it now is it's a feature set that falls basically in between what Tesla now calls just autopilot and full self-driving. But for, you know, all intents and purposes, at least for the time being, when my car's on the freeway, it, it has this feature called navigate on autopilot, which is one of the things that Consumer Reports tests. And, you know, that that feature works the same in my car as a car that has the the full self-driving. And, you know, my experience is, is very, very similar to consumer reports where if you think of the system really just as a lane centering system with adaptive cruise control, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's probably one of the best on the market, but when you try to look at it through the frame of, actually being like an autonomous vehicle it's it's nowhere even close to that um and it's you know it's it's because of that experience that i've had on the freeway that you know there's no way that i would pay to upgrade to this whole full self-driving thing with the stop sign recognition and all of that because there's there's no way i would i would trust it with the way things stand currently and I mean, same with the the smart summon feature. You know, my my car has that as well, which now is only a feature of full self driving and, and isn't available in standard autopilot. And I, you know, I share the story on the show about you know the lady friend and I took the car into an empty parking lot and you know watching it <laughs> back out of the spot and drive towards us just in a straight line. It was. It was basically like Madeline was, you know, driving the car. <laughs> well, well, no, I was, I was going to make the example of like it, the way, like, because that's the thing that was so interesting about seeing, because like when Smart Summon came out, there was a bunch of um, 
like stuff on Twitter showing the car crashing into stuff and just a bunch of examples. But like with the drone footage, it was so interesting that like it basically looks like you were watching just like a, a child starting to walk. Right. And just not knowing where. But and that that is actually a very good analogy for what like the car is doing. But that's that's just so dangerous and dumb for a feature that doesn't actually do what you want. Right. Or is it's just is it's very uh, inessential or non-essential, whichever version of that makes sense. So yes, yeah, so people people should go watch this. It's very interesting, and I'm and I'm happy that you're able to corroborate. Because because I, I mean I've heard like that navigate on autopilot is like seventy percent. Like again, a seventy thirty split is when it works pretty good, but a lot of times like it will like miss uh, miss an off ramp or will put you in a more dangerous situation than you should be in. And because you kind of were able to trust the system for a bit, that's just not good for overall um like roadway safety or you know even to to bring it hyper local which i know you like doing carlos you know so like here for us on uh, you know coming from Marin to san francisco on 101 if we're coming down the hill towards um the golden gate bridge um like through the robin williams tunnel you know it's it's downhill obviously and it's it, it's a little windy nothing nothing crazy it's windy it's windier than most would expect from a freeway yes fair but navigate on autopilot can't handle that it it so basically what it does which is also super dangerous is whenever it has a maneuver it can't handle or you know like a turn it can't handle it just literally shuts off. It, you know, it beeps yeah, it just at you. Does, it just does a little flash on the screen and maybe a, like a tone and just just like nope, I'm out, which is very not good. Yeah. So it so that's exactly what it does every single time you um, come to that part of 101. And that's you know I would I would I would not describe that as being overly complex. Definitely more complex than just driving on a straight flat highway, but but not anything super crazy and it can't even do that yeah but by being like tesla's not like a bay area company <laughs> it's like the thing that and no no shade but like where jason says that the like oh yeah like apple apples like it's based in cupertino so they the, the maps in the bay area are really good but they're not great everywhere else and i'm like i always start talking to the podcast i'm like they're not great here either but but well that would i mean that would be <laughs> that would be fine if like if navigate on autopilot just like worked great <laughs> in the Bay Area, but nowhere else, like I'd be okay with that. It's a very American point of view. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, like it's it's um, so it's kind of a frustrating topic because again, like I actually do really think that viewed through the lens of just being a driver assistance, um package where you you have lane centering you have adaptive cruise control because the those two features i mean kind of suck across in many cars the more and more cars are starting to get it right but like especially lane centering is super super spotty from manufacturer to manufacturer like you you know you often get kind of like the ping pong effect going back and forth between the lane lines and, and all kinds of stuff and tesla really I think has done a great job with with both adaptive cruise control and lane centering. And if that's what they represented it as, like nobody would have an issue with it. But it it's where they bring in this 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 self-driving phrasing where they just oversell it. 
And that's, it's too bad because it actually does work really well, but it's, it's just not, it's not full self-driving and it's not anywhere close to that. Yeah. I, I, you, you can edit this out, but I, I like, I think they suffer the same problem as the president where I feel like Tesla is doing a lot of really good work, but the head of it is maybe forcing it to be promised as something it's not. So actual accomplishments are getting lost because it's just being so profoundly mismanaged and mischaracterized. I don't know. Like, I I feel like these would all get, you're absolutely right where if it was just phrased as this is just very, this, this is like just the most advanced and revolutionary driver assistance package that exists. And it's adaptive cruise control taken to the next level and blah, blah, blah. If they just want to say all that, it'd be good. But if you're saying basically that this car is a week, well, actually, no, I was going to say it's a week away from full self-driving, but wasn't that last Christmas? <laughs> Whatever happened to that? Where 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 are the tax returns? So, no, I mean, you, you bring up a really good a good point, which I think is important to address here, too, which is, you know, like this full self-driving package that, that Tesla is selling and has been selling back to the time that I bought my Model 3 and, and well before that, you know, they still haven't delivered on that. So it's it's just, it's insane to give a company um, like a serious amount of money, 8,000 bucks for, for features that have no confirmed delivery date slash may not even be fully delivered to your expectations. But I mean, but isn't that the deal? Like, isn't that the whole reason it exists? Is that it's a future promise just to get revenue now? Well, well, not to get all nerdy accountants on you. It's not revenue, but it's it's cash at least. Is wait, how how are those different? Well, revenue revenue is is when it's earned. So Tesla is not able wait, to. So, uh, how are they? They're not able to. They they have to go put that in like some like what some accounting equivalent of an escrow account until they actually release a feature. I'm not sure that's true. Def- deferred revenue, yeah. Have you have you evaluated like I feel like that's not something Tesla is doing. Well, they're, no, they're like they're, by the book maybe, but it, it does. Well, their, they're no, they're they're a public company. They're <laughs> they, they no, do no, have no, to no, but like so rules. so you so you so if I look at the if their their uh, quarterly statement, it actually will say here's all the money we're like and it'll say it in accounting language. It'll say this is all the money that we're saving for a rainy day when we actually release this feature. I I believe so. Yes. Hmm. I don't know if it'll be okay. written in um, the epic, <laughs> very specific a- epic language. Apple uh, lawyer plain speak, but but yeah, I mean basically something to that effect, yeah. But it, okay, so I so that I get like I, like I, I do understand that concept. So I guess then what about when Tesla is taking a bunch of thousand dollar reservations for the Model Y and the Cybertruck? I feel like that's money they're actually using to fund current operations. The reservations they actually um, disclose, but keep off balance sheet. I'm not exactly sure true? what the yeah. I mean, like, well, so like, is it, but so all the Cybertruck money, they're not able to use any of that for current operations. So I I don't know what the rules are around the use of that money, but in terms of how it's accounted for, it's it's not presented. Um, like on their balance sheet, 
I, I believe it's again, it, it's, it's disclosed as cash that they have, but it's not represented as, as an asset of the company. Interesting. Okay. All right. And then before we round this out, we won't actually talk about most of this because most of this doesn't actually matter, but let's round a couple of Apple things. So there was an announcement that there is going to be an, a virtual event that happens on, and I've reached my Bloomberg article limit. So I will open this in an incognito <laughs> window. There we go. Uh, September 15th, there's going to be a virtual event to uh, announce the newest version of the Apple Watch and maybe something else, but it is definitely not going to be an iPhone event. Well, yeah, this this was kind of a, this was an interesting, like, hour or two uh, yesterday morning where... Wasn't, wasn't there, like, the, like whoever the, the, there's a kid who's, like, supposed to be, like, the new Mark Gurman, who was supposed to have said, like, there's going to be a new event and it definitely is an iPhone. Like, isn't, isn't there some other dude right now? Oh, I I don't know. I've just I've I've been kind of following German on this. Hmm. Oh, sorry. What happened? Um, well, I mean, the event got announced. I think it was it was pretty early Tuesday morning, and I mean, all the headlines were you know, Apple announces you know new you know new iPhone event. But then German came out you know an hour later and was like, nah, like <laughs> there's not going to be an iPhone at this event. That's that's going to come later. You know, this this event's going to be Apple Watch, and it's going to be um, new iPad. Not even new iPad Pro, I don't think, but new like base level iPad that's going to become more like the iPad Pro. Um, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot here that I mean, you know, we're <laughs> we're having a bit of an unconventional year, one might say. So the the traditional Apple formula would understandably get changed up a bit here. And, you know, they've already disclosed that the, that the new iPhone is going to be a few weeks, you know, behind its typical schedule, but it would be very strange to announce a new Apple watch, which presumably is going to require iOS 14. So you're going to have to release iOS 14, you know, even before you announce a new iPhone and that's, that's, you know, that, that would be a first for Apple. Um, and they're also going to be kind of in a weird position where if you look at the calendar for the rest of the year, so like, let's say that German's right. And this ends up just being an Apple watch and iPad event. So we've got that next week. Then probably sometime early October, we have an iPhone event. And then you also got the Apple, you know, silicone computer, which presumably will be like a, a MacBook. Like, does that get announced at the iPhone event? Is that a third event they're going to do? It's, um, you know, it, all of this would be just like a total change from Apple's otherwise, you know, pretty predictable um, event calendar every month. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it all kind of makes sense where if these aren't physical uh, in-person events, the the quantity and timing doesn't matter nearly as much. Um, I mean, I mean, I've, I assume Apple also kind of knows that just nothing matters this year and this, the way the news cycle works. Like, if they have to have three events, I mean, who cares? Um, but yeah, I mean, and with the delays that are probably or that have been rumored by Ming-Chi Kuo and a few others in like the supply chain pipeline, it, it does sound like at the very least the pro or the equivalent of like the 12 pro will be definitely kind of like a, 
an iPhone 10 like November shipping situation. So I mean that that kind of makes sense. So yeah, like I I I don't know what the new Apple Watch will have if there's anything that makes it super compelling that makes it worthy of its own event. But I mean, yeah, whatever. So I guess I haven't looked at exactly where this came from. I I think it was from the the YouTube posting for the event or something like that. It was indicated as being a two hour event, which. I mean, man, like two hours just for the Apple Watch and iPad seems seems like a lot because like, you know, the Apple Watch, which for the past few years has been announced just as part of the iPhone event, I think is like a it's like a 20 minute thing, <laughs> like at most, right? Like by all accounts, the um, Apple Watch Series 6 is going to be a blood oxygen sensor presumably better battery life and that's probably about it so i don't really know what more there is going to be to say about that and then you know the the i the the new base ipad it's gonna look a lot like an ipad pro so i I don't know what there is to say about that either um yeah so yeah I i don't know it's um It'll be interesting for the rest of the year to see both what the content of these events are and what the format of them is going to be. Um, you know, is it going to basically just be how like the WWDC video was? Are they going to try something a little bit different? Um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, next Tuesday. Yep. Tuesday, 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's also something, and this might get some screen time at the, not, not screen time, the feature screen time, the the concept, uh, at the Apple event, apparently Peloton is, wait, does this have, oh yeah, it did have something to do with Apple. Uh, they will be introducing a cheaper treadmill. Um, I forget what the name of their existing treadmill is called, but, um, it will incorporate that thing that they announced two years ago, which you pointed out in the pre-show, uh, as called Gym Kit, where it's kind of like, um, kind of like uh, what's what's the thing that uh, AirPods do? Like, what's what's the name of that easy pairing thing? Does that have like a Apple-y name? I think it does. Hmm. I don't know. No, something. It's like the W one or something. It's like it's the thing where the the pairing is super easy and and uh, uh, like friction free. Or, uh, yeah, so, so it's it's Apple fr- frustration-free pairing. That's what it's called, I'm sure. Um, so apparently, yeah, there's going to be a new version of the treadmill because uh, Peloton is um, like they've been doing they've been doing really well in the in the pandemic thing and around uh, around the neighborhood. I'm seeing people with uh, Pelotons in their garage, and good for them. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of want one. I just don't have the space. Or I, I sorry, I kind of want some type of home fitness thing because. I'm coming to realize that it will, uh, gyms will not be a thing for at least a year and going outside to exercise will be a very, um, uh, dicey thing for a very long time. I, I don't know. I, I miss hiking in fresh air. I don't know, man. But yeah, so there's, there's going to be a new Peloton soon and it will probably have some, not, not necessarily like Apple sponsored stuff, but I feel like they will be one of their, like, you know, when Apple does like that whole, like, uh, preferred nation like uh, esteemed partner type thing where they get like screen time and maybe a feature on the product page and there's there's a there's a symbiotic relationship there 
Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, this is um this is official now, so it it's um the uh I I think I think bike bike plus is the actual uh name. I'm going to try to find the um, Well, but it no, like in the Bloomberg article it, is, it did yeah, say bike. it did, Well, no, it said the new treadmill called Tread. Well, so there's so there, there's two products. So I'll in the notes I'll link to oh, the actual no, so Peloton. Oh, so the new there's a new cheaper bike, so not the treadmill. Yeah, called Bike Plus. Yes. No, so the bike is more expensive. So Bike Plus is their is their new high end bike. The new stationary bike will be a premium offering called Bike Plus. You are correct. Correct. And the original Peloton bike, no plus. So that's the the Peloton bike minus, I guess, is is now being reduced in price to eighteen ninety five. Can can we do some real time clarification uh, that there's kind of a finance finance thing going on here? There is, yeah. So zero percent financing for thirty nine months. You know, I meant that you call it Peloton versus Peloton. Oh, am I? Is that pronunciation wrong? I I don't know which one's right, but I just yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Long time listeners will know that pronunciation's not not my strong suit. I still can't tell if you're trolling with that. We covered this last week. I don't I don't think I am. That's that's just how I say it. <laughs> uh I like it. Okay. Um Yeah, I don't know. I I I hmm. It's it's a weird time for the fitness space. Did you see and I, I will will wrap this up, but that um I think it was Lululemon bought there was this company from the Bay Area that made like a mirror that does like workouts for you or something. Like it, it doesn't it does it doesn't do the workouts for you, but it's it instructs you on how to do a workout. Yeah, I did see something about that. I feel like just like kind of the at home fitness space is gonna not get disrupted. Sorry, I had to stop myself, but like stuff's gonna happen with that. And I like I mean I know everybody laughed at the whole, and it is still worthy of laughing. People should go look up that Twitter account that had the thing of because Peloton's marketing materials all. Like, let's say you're like a gentrifier in San Francisco and you took your Victorian and made it like just this monstrosity like that, along with all your mid-century modern furniture, like that's the, your study is where you stick the, your $4,000 exercise bike. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of reasons to make fun of Peloton, uh, but you like, like this whole at-home fitness area since like, I just feel like a lot of people, like I, like I know there's a whole lot of people that are amp to get back to normal and and hashtag open up the gyms but like it feels like this is a a big growth area and maybe people aren't really scoffing at the price anymore so i don't know i feel like this is gonna be a really interesting area to watch yeah i agree i think you know to to also bring it full circle in a different way here I, i think gyms and theaters will both fall into a category post pandemic where they'll be open at some point but whether people have a burning desire to go back to them right away is is a whole kind of different question. Yeah, I mean, just because those are those are two events that are or not, uh, two activities that are just extremely like they're not low risk activities by any means. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I would even say like pre pandemic, as somebody who would you know semi regularly go to a gym, like I would sort of find myself thinking like, yeah, this is not the people are gross. This is not, yeah, the cleanest place in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, just to to close out the 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 Peloton Peloton topic. 
Um, so this is this is a uh, we're going to bring it full circle for a third time here. Talk about confusing <laughs> Disney Premier Access type confusion here. So the Peloton Bike Plus is the new bike, which is a premium offering, and the original Peloton Bike No Plus will continue to be sold for a cheaper price. While the Peloton Tread, they came out with a new model that's the lower end model that will now be called just the Peloton Tread, which is what the original model used to be called. But now the original model, which is now the higher end model, will be called Peloton Tread Plus. (laughs) Like, who came up with that? I don't know. Just let me know when they have a rowing machine called... Pull Max. I don't. I couldn't think of anything. So. <laughs> uh, quick, and, and quick note: Have you? So you said uh, bring this full circle three times. I did. So there's yeah. a new. Uh, so Taylor Swift has a new album, um, mm. and there's a song on it. Not to. This is very very specific. There's a song on it called "This Is Me Trying," and one of the lyrics is "I was so ahead of the curve, the curve became a sphere," which is pretty pretty good. So uh, not not to. You know, not to zig where everybody's zagging, because I, I know everybody's kind of liked that new T-Swift album. Oh, no, it's not a very good album at all. I don't yeah, I don't care for it. It has two and a half good songs on it. No, I, I, I am with you. I love Taylor Swift. I have memorized the the lyrics for seven albums. Like, <laughs> like seriously, like, very good. Uh, no, this new one, I, I don't care for it. There, there's like three good, th- two and a half good songs on it. Uh, I think the only, the only like uh, winner or like the, the like you could listen on repeat for a while song on it is called The One. And then, yeah, the other two songs that are above average are Mad Woman and This Is Me Trying. But the rest of it's kind of a bit of a snooze and I don't really buy it from her. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I don't think you're wrong. All right, chef specials. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna keep the uh, the train rolling here, the the espresso train with chef specials, um, or chef special specials. I forget if it's singular or plural in the notes. Uh, oh God, that that Paul Ryan link finally expanded in my Slack. Ah, uh, th- thanks, Stuart. God, buy some shares of work. I hate it. Um. So I'm going to give you an espresso pick. Wolf it. Hmm. So this is um, Equator, which I I, th- I think you're a fan of. Sometimes. Okay. Um, so they did a collaboration with Tyler Florence, who um, I'm a big fan of. I enjoy him on Food Network. Um, I really like his restaurant in San Francisco, Wafer Tavern, one of my favorite restaurants in San Francisco. Um. It's known for its fried chicken. And he actually did one of those charity uh, Zoom call things where you could you could make his fried chicken along with him. The lady friend and I did that a few months ago, and it was super fun. Um, so he partnered with Equator Coffees um, kind of in collaboration with his Wolf It Down brand. Not the best name, but this is his... Um, YouTube channel and uh, newsletter that he sends out. It's kind of like his his non-food network 
brand. It's like everything, everything he does, like outside Food Network, kind of falls under this Wolf It Down brand. Um, but the, this espresso with Equator Coffee um, also um, donates three dollars from each bag to RestaurantsCare.org. Um, I'm now on my my third bag of this stuff, and it's 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 really really good. It's it's a nice dark roast, which I really enjoy. Um, I I started with one of the small bags, the the twelve ounce bags, but now I'm on um, on my second two pound bag. Two pounds. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've tried a couple of uh, Equator uh, blends or brews or whatever. Um of what they sell at Whole Foods, but I've never... So this one's brand new. Do you know if this is sold like at retail or is this just online? So I... It's actually kind of funny you ask that because I, I realized right before the holiday weekend that I had a total brain fart and had let my espresso um, collection get get quite low. Um, so I, I looked to see if this was something that I could just pick up from a, a local, um, equator location. And, um, well, the short answer is no, you, you do have to buy this online and have it shipped. What's sorry. I was going to ask how, how much is this per pound, but I, I can do 37 divided by two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not the, uh, it's not the cheapest and it's also not the most expensive. It's kind of in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I mean for, for premium coffee, 15 to $20 a pound is not out of the ordinary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we, you know, um, we've been sampling, you know, quite a few different espresso blends since we got that Breville machine at the end of last year. Um, you know, which also coincided with having a baby and and probably drinking more espresso than, than usual, um, and so we we we've tried lots of different types, and and this this consistently is the one we kind of keep going back to. And so you know, local local company based in San Rafael, so that's nice. Yeah. Um. Actually, and does Equator have any locations that are closest uh, closer to you, or is it just? Well, I assume they have one in San Rafael, right? No, Lark, I think I Lark think Spurs closest. I think uh well yeah, I guess Larkspur's closest, but they have a location in Mill Valley too. The downtown one? Yeah. And I they they technically have a thing. I've never done it, but I guess you can uh it, with online orders, if you make them before Thursday at like five PM, you can actually every Friday afternoon they have like a pickup window where you can actually go like physically pick up your online order. Um, but their shipping is so fast that I don't know why you would do that, but, um, but anyway, their, their, their main location in San Rafael, you under some circumstances can go pick up stuff there too. And not that anybody is going downtown anymore. Uh, if things ever get back to normal, they have a very nice cafe inside the, the LinkedIn building. Oh, I thought you were going to say the, the Fort Mason location. Um, yeah, I've I've never been there. They also have one uh, on Market Street, but it's, it's, yeah, but the the LinkedIn one's a very, very nice adjoined, um, like open air atrium, but yeah. Um, okay. And then my pick, I, this is going to be a repeat of a previous pick because I don't really have anything this week, but as part of getting the new iMac set up, I did, um, upgrade 
the Samsung external SSD that I normally use. So even though I did go for the two terabyte version of the internal SSD on my Mac, on my iMac, I did get a newer, larger external SSD. Um, and this model is the Samsung T7. Um, and it's, it's very good. The, the, the read write speeds are almost, uh, a gigabyte, gigabyte BYTE, not BIT, uh, per second. And it's, uh, yeah, really, really good. The Samsung T7 or T5 and T7 SSDs are very small, very reliable and very affordable for what you get. So yeah, so the three terabytes, sorry, not three terabytes, two terabytes only runs you about $300. Do you, do you actually use the, the fingerprint security? God, no. No, like I, I, I just uh, uh, use um, the 256-bit AES encryption that OS X offers where you can just mount it at at boot, um, and that's the only time you're asked for the password. So if anybody were to remove it or restart the computer, your data is still in, uh, still accessible. But yeah I, I don't, yeah, I saw that too, where it's got some fingerprint sensor, and no, I do not need Touch ID on, on my SSD. So aren't, I mean, aren't you paying some kind of premium for that, or no? I have no idea. I, like, I mean... It, $300 for two terabytes is, I think, a fair deal. Like, cause I don't think you can get the fastest connectivity without getting that feature as well. And is this a wire cutter pick or did you find this on your own? I don't know. Um, like, I mean, I just bought it because I had the T5 before and I, uh, that I really liked. And I know Jason Snell has talked positively about it. And it's, it's, I think it's just kind of the de facto good SSD. Like, I don't know if it would be a wire cutter pick because I don't know if it's the cheapest for the money. And we kind of know how the wire cutter is with that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's good. And then also, sorry, going back to the wire cutter for a second, uh, that air conditioner continues to be oh, a the, <laughs> so good. And not even just like, cause it at, at there was a certain point where, again, going back to the things like the top of the show where just, it's been just kind of a mess in California recently. We had uh, like our second heat wave in three weeks where it was just like 110 degrees and uh, across the bay for most of the day. Uh, not not looking to rhyme, but there we go. Um, and that air conditioner, even though it doesn't necessarily make my apartment cold because of how much work it's having to do, it definitely allows me to not have to keep the windows open with exceptionally bad air quality, And it, but it does keep it tolerable. So... Yeah, I, I even though I was worried as whether or not how much I would use it or if it was a good investment, I think it, it, it's been very much worth it. Can we actually uh, close this out with a with a cute Branson story? Sure. <laughs> Does he just post up on in front of the air conditioner now? So, you know, you know, with Madeline, you know, she sleeps in our room, and so you know, with her in the room, especially when she was really little, we didn't we didn't let Branson in the room. He would he would just sleep out, you know, in the the family room or the living room, mm-hmm. which he was, you know, perfectly perfectly content with. But a couple of weeks ago, when it started getting really really hot, you know, we were thinking like, well, you know, we we should let him in our room because it's you know it's significantly cooler in the evening with that with the portable air conditioner running, and he has just been thrilled <laughs> like to the point now where well there, there's a couple of things one is like when he sees us going to the room at night he gets excited he actually like gets in front of us like walking to the room 
because he's just so <laughs> excited to get in there. Um, and then the other thing is that we've, you know, on these, um, a couple of really hot days, we've also had it running periodically throughout the day for like when Madeline takes naps and we don't let him in there, you know, when she's in there alone taking naps, but what he'll do is the second she wakes up and, you know, we take her out of the room, he'll, he'll slip in the room (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, lay there for a while. And we, we turn the, the AC off in between, naps but the room you know is still pretty cold so he he just he loves it and i also assume the air conditioner does like double duty as like a white noise machine to help aid napping is that a logical explanation or no carlos we in our room which is which is a very very small bedroom we have the portable air conditioner Uh uh-huh we have an air filter Uh uh-huh we we have a humidifier so you have like 8,000 things that can make a little And we have a dedicated white noise machine. So we have four different things that act as as white noise. <laughs> so yes. Plenty of white noise. 